0: And sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast.
1: I just want to do something on my own and if I fail then it's my fault. It's not that somebody told me I couldn't do it or I wasn't qualified or whatever. It's well you didn't put in enough hours or you didn't learn the right things and the cool thing about that is that you can pivot and adjust and you can learn those things and you could always improve and get better.
0: My guest this week on the Portrait System podcast is Miguel Quiles, and his photography career went in a direction that he really wasn't expecting. Miguel quit a corporate job in 2011 and started shooting portraits, along with starting a YouTube channel just for fun fast forward and his YouTube channel for photographers really took off. He now makes an amazing income making videos and he also has some great affiliates and sponsorships including with Sony as a Sony artisan. Miguel shares some really great information about how he makes his photography YouTube career work and it was so interesting to hear all about it. Okay, let's get started with my friend Miguel Calis. Hi Miguel, welcome to the Portrait System. How are you?
1: Doing awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Sweet. I'm excited to have you here. You are a Sony artisan. And it's funny because I just interviewed Scott Robert Lynn the other day. So now it's two of you in a month. Dang.
1: That's crazy. That's a good follow up. I'm, I'm yeah, a little bit really less is. energy than Scott. So I'm going to warn you ahead Aww. of time. He's like, you know, he's mean, like a 10. I'm like a solid five. So but I'll try my best.
0: well scott is a very you know he has that unique level of amazing energy that i think most people can't match so i wouldn't worry about it it's true all right um there's so much to talk about but since i brought up the sony artisan thing i've heard it's really difficult to become one like do you want to just tell us really quickly about how that how that all happened and then we can go back to your whole journey
1: For sure. So yeah, it is very difficult to become one. Uh, I believe uh, at most there was maybe like 50 or so photographers in the world um, who had that title. So yeah,
0: yeah, there's there's
1: not too many of them. Um, And yeah, you know, at the time, so going back right around 2013, I was kind of hitting my stride as a professional photographer. And I was shooting with a different system at the time. And there were just several things that I wanted that my current system didn't offer.
0: Okay. So I just
1: kind of went out on the hunt. And funny enough, I went to, uh, to a local uh, Best Buy store and was talking to a rep there because I had a very specific issue. And he was like, hey, this Sony camera will kind of take care of that. And it was to shoot video. I was like, oh, okay. So I bought the, uh, the original Sony A7. And oh, nice. it was really just there to shoot video. Like I, I, I never had it in my head that I would start, you know, shooting with this. And certainly now in 2023, looking back, I wouldn't have imagined that it would take me to this. But um, yeah, I, I bought that camera and basically started using it to shoot videos. And then one day decided, let's see what this thing could do for shooting stills because it's small and it's compact. Yeah. It's got a lot of cool tech. And uh, holy cow, like never look back. And so that's how I switched to the system.
0: Yeah. How did you get on the radar?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where I think it was a matter of like really good timing. Um, At the time I was living in New Jersey. I was teaching a lot in New York City. Uh, I would go to Adorama and I was doing events there every month. And one of the events that I had lined up was a... um, was an event talking about my transition from DSLR to mirrorless because at the time it wasn't common, you know. Yeah. Uh, so much so that I would tell people that I was shooting mirrorless, and a lot of my photographer buddies would be like, "Are you doing okay? Like, do you need some money?" Because, you know, like <laughs> as if I couldn't afford the good, so-called good stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, So it was really funny how the world changes, but um, and I think that's really what it was was that I was kind of going out, I was teaching a lot, um, doing a lot of events doing a lot of live demos and and Mm -hmm. workshops. And uh, yeah, it got their attention at a time where uh, there weren't as many ambassadors that were doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And there weren't as many uh, ambassadors out there that understood the other side of the business, uh, which is that to be an ambassador, it's not just like a medal, you know, where it's like, Hey, I ran a 5k and I got a medal and now we're done.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: It's very much one of those things where you have to represent and, uh, you know, and I've, I've tried to do that from, from day one.
0: So when you say represent, I mean, obviously you're using the gear, but is that also like speaking engagements and are you going to trade shows and things like that as well?
1: All the things, trade shows, dealer events, uh, I'm a YouTuber as well, so I create a lot of YouTube content, uh, not just for my own YouTube channel, but also for Sony's YouTube channel. So it's been kind (laughs) of an interesting turn. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, er everything I do is uh, kind of showing off and and preaching the gospel of Sony. You know, it's something that's changed my life and it's changed the way that I shoot. And, you know, I I know that it would do that for other people. And so it's easy, easy to get in line with it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's funny how certain connections and just, maybe not even the word connection isn't the right word, but just one decision at Best Buy of all places could really, you know, change things for you. Very cool.
1: Yeah, the, it's, the world works in a, in a very funny way. I think, <laughs> you know, kind of going back to the, the question, you know, I think that uh, at the time, you know, Sony wasn't what they are today. And so I think it was very much one of those things where I was very, you know, fortunate to have had the culmination of all these things happen when it happened, because
0: Mm -hmm. I think
1: if I had to become a Sony artisan today, it would be infinitely more difficult. So, you know.
0: Yeah. They must be loyal because Scott said the same thing where he got in pretty early Mm -hmm. and it, you know, if it's been almost, what did you say, almost 10 years for you that you've been doing
1: so I think officially it was 2015. So a little okay. under 10 years. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Very cool. Awesome.
1: Yeah. All right. It's crazy. And they, they're insanely loyal. I mean, honestly, like Sony, all the folks in uh, San Diego, all the folks in Tokyo, you know, they're they're family. You know, it's like yeah. when I see these people, it's not just, uh, hey, Bob, how's it going? Oh, good yeah. job, Jim. It's very much like <laughs> hugs and You know, showing love, like it's very much a a family and it's very much a community. And what's awesome is that it's not just that for me. I think that's part of the reason why they've kind of gained steam so much over the years is that they foster community in everything they do. And I think that's why a lot of photographers have kind of found, you know, those Sony cameras to be home, you know, like it was Mm -hmm. for me a long
0: time ago. Yeah, that that, uh, connection. Here I am using that word again, whether it's with clients or with the products you're using and the people like it, it really makes a big difference. And it's funny because when I, you know, invited you to be on the podcast, I didn't even know, like, I'm just so not techie. I'm not up with the times of this and that or whatever. So it's funny because I didn't even realize that you were a Sony artist. And I just, you know, I knew of you and I love your work and I've been following you for a while. And, you know, I don't know, but okay. One, one more thing about being, um, a rep or, um, an ambassador is another one that's really tough to get into is your pro photo as well.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I was pro photo. Okay. Was pro photo. Yeah. So, uh, I was an ambassador for pro photo from, I'm going to say around 2017 until maybe 2021 or so.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, That's a long time too.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's been a while. And the folks at pro photo very much are, are like family as well. Um, yeah, I think what, what, happens as you are kind of setting down this road of being somebody who, you know, is working and doing workshops and doing these different things. You know, there's just a um, certain level of support that you would like to have um, that, you know, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, a lot of companies got hit pretty hard. And
0: yeah, um, so yeah.
1: I, I love Photo. I love their products. I still use them to this day. Um, I'm not official, you know, but uh, yeah, I still use their stuff and uh yeah they're they're yeah. great company that make great products.
0: Awesome. Okay, um one more gear thing and then we're going to move mm-hmm. on from that. I noticed well if you're listening you obviously can't see it but if you you know watch the video portion of this Miguel has behind him this incredible wall of goods. Like I love it. It's a white wall with shelves of just how many did you say like over 100?
1: Yeah, there's cameras? probably a and 40 or so cameras oh actually 141. Cause I just got one yesterday. Uh, nice. Super, super proud of uh, cause there's not too many of these. So yeah, I want to say there's like 140 or so.
0: Are they like vintage cameras or just all varieties of camera? Like what are they all?
1: Yeah. So it's, it, it basically encompasses the history of Minol- Minolta and Sony cameras going back to I think the uh. earliest one I have is from the 1940s. Um, Eventually, I'll, I'll, I don't know, get them all. <laughs> it's like Pokemon, yeah. you know, got to catch them all. Right. Yeah. So, uh, started <laughs> that's off that's like, funny. I, like I always tell people, I start off with just like I wanted seven cameras that I just wanted to decorate my office. And next thing you know, I'm like, ooh, this camera is really cool. And oh, I, an I remember, addiction. This, yeah. remember detail. <laughs> Yo, the bug just bit and it was just game over from there. So, um, yeah,
0: yeah, that's what I was going to say. It makes for a really good background. I even asked you before we started recording, I I was like, is that real behind you? Because, you know, sometimes people will just insert fake fake photos here on their Zoom or whatever. Whatever Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's really cool.
1: (laughs) Thank you.
0: Okay, let's back up a little bit. You had said that things were starting to kind of take off for you as a photographer in 2013, what was going on prior to that like have you been have you been shooting for a while before then, or have you just kind of always been a photographer as your career
1: um so it's it's kind of a difficult one to answer because I feel like I have two different uh origin stories. you know I actually started with photography uh, after I graduated high school. Uh, this was back in like the early two thousands okay. used to work at a at a camera store electronic store. And, um, so that's kind of what started the passion for photography, mainly because, you know, I worked in retail in order to sell cameras, as I'm sure, you know, you kind of just need to know how to shoot and you need to understand how these things work. And so that's what it was, was like, I just want to get used to using these things. Um, fast forward to 2011 and, uh, I was working in corporate America and just really dissatisfied with the way my career was going, the trajectory. So in 2011, I decided that I wanted to leave my corporate job that I was working at the time and just see if I could make a career out of something that I would enjoy doing. And I loved taking photos. I loved meeting people and connecting with people. And so I didn't know that it was going to become what it ultimately became, but just set out to just photograph anything and everything to figure out what do I want to do Because what I didn't Mm -hmm. know at the time was that photography was very much kind of a niche uh, thing. So if you wanted to be successful, you couldn't just be, hey, I'm a dude with a camera. And, you know, you want a building photographed? I got you. You want a family or wedding or whatever. Like it all has its um, things that you need to know in order to be successful. And so I settled on becoming a headshot and portrait photographer and kind of never looked back.
0: (laughs) Wow, you make it sound pretty easy. Like, oh, I just decided I was going to leave my corporate job and start a business, and this is what I did. Like, did did it was at the time? Was that really easy for you?
1: No, no, (laughs) no, no, no. It was insanely difficult um, and insanely scary as well. Yeah, you know, I had worked full time for so long, and uh, you know, I think that what ends up happening to many people who kind of pursue the creative and entrepreneurial path is that. I was working in corporate America. I was carving out a a certain role and certain opportunity for myself within the company that seemed like it was on the horizon and it was going to happen. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it didn't. And there was just no rhyme or reason as to why it was not going to happen. And I I was just thinking at home, you know, I'm leaving my success and my failure in somebody else's hands who doesn't know anything. You know, mm-hmm. and so it just got to the point where I was like, well, I want to do, I, I just want to do something on my own. And if I fail, then it's my fault. It's not that somebody told me I couldn't mm-hmm. do it or I wasn't qualified or whatever. It's, well, you didn't put in enough hours or you didn't learn the right things. And the cool thing about that is that you could pivot and adjust and you can learn those things and so you could always improve and get better. So, yeah. yeah, it was really hard in the beginning. Getting support from people was really hard too. Because they didn't see the vision. And honestly, I don't know that I had a really good vision either. But, you know, part of that was probably on me. But, uh, yeah, it's... it's, I don't think um, I did either.
0: I don't think I had the best vision. I mean, I knew I wanted to be a full-time photographer. I just had no idea what it was going to look like and how my life... You know, I don't know. Just one foot in front of the other and just kind of... Let's see what happens. Like, here we are. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and and it's it's interesting hearing you say like with the corporate world, because I think there's a lot of people who listen who are in a job and they're afraid to leave because of the stable paycheck and the health insurance and all of that. And it's so interesting because just yesterday I was recording um, a self-value podcast with Sue Bryce, and we were talking about that and how oftentimes... This sort of, you know, W, quote unquote, W2 job or, you know, salaried job, it's kind of like a false sense of security because at any right. time you can be laid off or like the, the plan that you had to move up, you know, that didn't happen. And and you're kind of like at this, this limit of how much you can grow and how much money you can make and... It really is this kind of false sense of security where if you are self-employed, it's so empowering. Because like you said, you have the control. I mean, it's scary Mm -hmm. and empowering, but if things aren't going well or if you're not booking a lot of clients, you can change things and do things. You don't have to worry and rely on someone else to make those changes, especially, you know, like that corporate company or whatever that wasn't going to do what you needed them to do. So,
1: Yeah, I agree totally. I think that to me that's far more scary You know, and Mm -hmm. I I lived it. I worked in different companies and different places where, you know, at a drop of a whim, they could just decide, hey, they don't want you there anymore. And it doesn't matter whether you're the top at whatever it is that you're doing or you're middle of the road or whatever, that you show up on time, that you come in when you're sick. None of that matters. When it's time to drop the ax, you know, when when you're not important anymore, they drop you. And so- me, that's yeah. way scarier than being an entrepreneur and just trying to set out and just execute based on your knowledge and skills, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and not only that, but there really is this sort of, well, in some jobs, like I was a school social worker, so I was on teacher salary and teacher pay, and you reach the highest point that you, money that you can make. I want to say my highest that I could make in the district that I was in at the time was like $78,000 or something, and that was after 20 years or whatever it wow. was, with a master's degree. And it's like, that might seem like a lot of money to some, um, but where I was living in Seattle and the cost of living, and even here in Michigan, I mean, that would never have gotten me like the things I have now. It's just not possible. Sure. I would have had to have made money otherwise somewhere else.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I yeah. think that, you know, that style of work ethic worked out for maybe our parents, right? you know, nowadays that, you know, the world is different. The mm-hmm. the economy is different. The way people make mm-hmm. money is different. And mm-hmm. uh, if you're still on that path, you know, I, like I said, it worked for people before us and maybe trading, you know, your time for money is, yeah. is still fun for some people, but there's definitely a better way, you know, and I think that being an entrepreneur and especially being a photographer, being a creative entrepreneur, you know, you get to meet people and do things that Working in corporate America probably oh. would never afford you. So
0: yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Like I just, and I, I think I've said this a couple of times. So sorry, listeners, I keep repeating myself. But I just got to speak in New Zealand. Like I was flown uh, to New Zealand. You know how cool is that? Like the opportunities that I've had for traveling. Like I always go. Well, I, I didn't go this year because I took my niece to Greece instead. Which I know I talked about that a couple of times. Someone's like, you always talk about how you took your niece to Greece, and I'm like, sorry. Did you do anyway? It just
1: because it rhymed.
0: And I, I, as I'm saying that I'm I that's hilarious and that I was just Greece, thinking that. I love that. She <laughs> chose Greece though. But you know, I, I went to Italy a couple years in a row for a graffiti workshop and just I mean, it's so cool. Even just this morning I was thinking as I was like eating my salt bagel with cream cheese, you know, watching my chickens play out the window as I was like taking my breakfast break or whatever. I'm like, god, what would I be doing right now if I was still a social worker? Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. Not this, (laughs) you know. Like I wouldn't be at home relaxing, waiting to record with you, eating my bagel, watching my chickens. You know, in the with it raining, it was kind of gloomy. You know, it's just like I don't know. God bless the people. I just love it. it. I know. I know. God bless the people that
1: do it because they need it. You know, but it doesn't have to.
0: (laughs) I don't mean to sound like it's a. That's a bad thing. It's just for me. It was not what I personally wanted. And some right. people thrive in that very structured go to work from this time to this time every day. Just me personally, I just, it just wasn't for me. I'm not a good employee.
1: Yeah. You, you and me <laughs> both. I mean, I, I can't say that I wasn't a good employee. I just feel like.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I,
1: I'm very idealistic when it comes to work. I feel like if I come in and I do a good job and I keep my head low and work hard, that good things are going to come. And oftentimes they do. But, yeah. You know, any little thing could just just sidetrack that whole thing, and I, I saw mm-hmm. it happen over and over and over again, and it just got to the point where I was like, you know what? If it's going to happen, like I want to be the one that's in control of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and for me, it's the freedom of time. I like to do what I like to do. Like when I say I'm not a good employee, like I don't do many things happen. I I don't do anything really half-assed unless you ask my husband about like hanging pictures or like painting the walls and things like that. Who
1: likes to do that? But when
0: I, it's my job, like when I'm working with someone or for someone or for my clients or whatever, like I don't half-ass that ever. But there's something about freedom of having that freedom of time to design my life how I want and travel when I want and eat when I want and go to my kids' classrooms when I want. You know, that I think is, is truly for me has been the the most priceless part of being self-employed.
1: Yeah. I think what's crazy about all of this, to be honest with you, because everything you're saying is like, that's me. Like my soul speaks to that. I think what's crazier above all of that is that I would not have thought when I graduated high school that that type of life would have been afforded to somebody who was just a photographer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, like I would have thought you needed to be like a, like an athlete, Playing in the NBA or something or being like yep. a famous music artist or a movie star or something like that mm-hmm. to live that kind of life, lifestyle and to be able to do that as a photographer as somebody who as many of my friends would tell me you know as I was coming up that oh all you do is just push a button and it's like <laughs> yeah <So>
0: ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> oh man well, speaking of pushing buttons, let's talk a little bit about this. Tell, tell people, first of all, where, where are you located and what do you shoot most of? Like who who's your your clientele base? Um, and I know you do a lot of teaching and speaking and things like that, but just as far as like your client work.
1: So for me, I moved to Orlando, Florida back at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so oh, Orlando, okay. Florida has been home uh, since 2020. Actually, yeah, since beginning of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, I primarily shoot headshots and portraits. That's kind of just been my thing from from day one has been just working with people and trying to make them look their best. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, that's for commercial purposes. So, you know, photographing headshots of artists or athletes or business people, Mm -hmm. uh, whoever, right? Whoever needs a a good photo of themselves to basically market themselves to the world and to others. You know, that's, that's primarily what I've done uh, from day one.
0: Yeah. That's pretty unusual to hear people say that they stuck with the same genre for that long.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know what I think it is, is that for me, and I realized this early on, I just like people and Mm -hmm. I like talking to people and engaging with people. And I think that, you know, doing portrait photography allows you to connect with people um, so that just kind of became my, my thing, you know, and I think mm-hmm. in a way it's a little bit selfish too, because I actually get like deep joy and happiness when I take a photo of somebody and all of a sudden, like if I'm friends with them on social media, I see them change their profile picture to mm-hmm. something I took with them. The best. You know, it's one of those like little wins in life where it's like, mm-hmm. you, you did good, you know, um, So that, that was it for me, like getting joy in these little things. I was like, okay, this is what I should be doing.
0: Yeah. It's so funny you say that it's, I can relate to that so much. I I just photographed a senior who, well, I had tons of seniors this summer, more than last summer for some reason, but, and one of them, she was kind of shy and quiet. And, you know, normally I can tell if someone's really enjoying the session and I was kind of like, I couldn't, I couldn't really tell. And then as soon as, of course, as soon as she got the photos and she right away switched the photo on her Instagram and I was like, yes, you know, yes, I don't I know. <laughs> yeah. She loved them and whatever. But even after all this time, I still get that feeling when I see someone react that way, you know, really love their photos. It's still such a great feeling. So that's really cool.
1: Being able to deliver that is awesome. It, it sure.
0: really is. It really is. Okay. So tell us a little bit about, well, I was going to say how you grew your business, but I'm kind of curious. You started over. Where did you live before Florida?
1: So before I moved to Florida, I lived in New Jersey. Oh, that's right. For, you said that. Uh, okay. Yep. And so that was kind of the catalyst. I know I said in the beginning that, you know, as, as a Sony ambassador, I, I switched over to Sony in 2013. Right around that time, I actually used to live in Orlando, moved to New Jersey, and that kind of just accelerated my... Uh, photography career and Mm -hmm. so um, being close so close to New York and being so close to like the Mecca of all things photography in my Mm -hmm. opinion um, you know it just really kind of supercharged things but uh, family and friends and everything else was here in Orlando and once you have kids it you know becomes more and more important to just be close to them and so that kind of just brought me back here and
0: uh, okay yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So you already had a network there. Like it's not like you had to full blown regrow your business or remarket thing. Like, or did you have to do that? Like kind of Yeah. You know?
1: So you would think um if if it would have happened at any other time, that would have been the case. Yeah. Uh however, what had happened was there was this thing called COVID that just threw a monkey wrench <laughs> right into the whole thing. And uh-huh. so the day that I moved here. Was actually the day that the NBA and all these like different leagues started to close down because they realized like the whole threat of COVID. So it was like I don't know early to mid uh, March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, that's when I'm coming down, you know, with my three dogs in a car driving from New Jersey down to Florida. Um, I had done some work to basically find a studio to rent because I'm primarily a studio photographer, mm-hmm. and all of those realtors and people were like. Yeah, we're not showing properties in person because of, you know, the virus. And so oh, yeah. um, want, we'll walk around the office with like our phone and show it to you. And I'm like, you want me to sign a three-year lease and you won't even show me the property? I mean, how are we going to do that? You know, how, how am I going to rent a space sight unseen? And so, you know, I found two realtors that were very cool. Um, one of them showed me the property and it just wasn't the right fit Second one wasn't the perfect fit, but it was better than the first. And it was one of two options at the time. So I went ahead and uh, jumped on it and opened up my studio. It was a little smaller than I would hoped, uh, but everything else just kind of worked out. You know, and then a few months later, as the world started to kind of figure out what was going on, uh, things got better, moved into a bigger space. Um, still kind of struggled early on, to be honest. Uh, because people here in Florida, even though I know the news, kind of made it seem like everybody's just running around, just partying, and
0: you know, <laughs> I know.
1: it's like breathing on each other's faces. Or <laughs> oh, whatever the,
0: news. God, yeah, love the news! Yeah, yeah,
1: it was it was portrayed in a very interesting way because I'm here and I'm just like, I don't see any of that, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, there was still this reluctance of people to go out and have their pictures taken and just being in close mm-hmm. proximity. And so right around that time, I did kind of a little bit of a pivot with my business where I still, you know, was was taking clients when I could get them, but I pivoted more towards content creation. And I think, uh, honestly, that was like the best possible move that could have been made at the time because, yeah. you know, it set me up for the next two, three years, you know, well, two years, I guess, at this point. So it's, it's been yeah. great.
0: I've had a lot of people on the podcast say that, that, you know, 2020, you know, that year or two there, 2020, 2021, really helped them kind of reevaluate things and maybe start some things and try some things that they normally wouldn't have done. Like, I, I know I ended up, uh, you know, recording my first and filming my first photography course, my personal branding course. Yeah. Um, you know, I, would I have done that? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I would have done that if it wasn't for you know. It's just you never know where where life is going to take you when things get real weird. <laughs> so that is the well, truth. Yeah. That is so the okay, truth. tell me a little bit about like the YouTube uh, content creation. Like, is this something that you monetize?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it if I couldn't monetize it. But. Yeah. It's funny because I think that's probably the most common question that I get from people is like, you can make money on just making YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's very, it's highly monetizable, you know, between Google ad revenue, between sponsorships, mm-hmm. affiliate deals, you know, obviously like you have your own course that you sell, you yeah. know, having a a vehicle to be able to promote yourself uh, in a way that doesn't cost you know, anything but your time and your skill. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's highly monetizable. And um, yeah, you know, I, I couldn't have imagined uh, again 20 years ago that this would be a thing. But, you know, funny enough, I actually knew somebody. I had a really good friend who, this was like early days of YouTube, who uh, started a YouTube channel. And he was one of the first group of creators that actually started to get paid for uploading his videos onto the platform. And at the time he was like, man, you know, I'm making like $15,000 a month, you know, through this thing called YouTube. And I was like, really? Like that's, and I thought he was BSing me. I'm like, there's no way that's, that's in my head. I was just like, (laughs) I make just a little more than that in a year. And this dude is making it every month. And so.
0: It's a significant amount of money.
1: Yeah. 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 And now it's like, yeah, the average creator, if you work really hard and, uh, you know, approach this like a business. You absolutely can make that and way beyond. So, yeah, YouTube is awesome.
0: Okay, so I was just looking up your YouTube channel, and you have two hundred fifty-six thousand subscribers.
1: Yes, yes, it's a
0: massive amount of subscribers.
1: It it's wow. more than a few. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's it's amazing. You know, I love my community. Um, just just loved. Uh, you know, it's, it's just crazy to kind of think like when you're like I'm here in this little corner of my studio and I make these videos and it's just me most of the time, unless I'm photographing like a photography tutorial and then I'll have some people here. But you know, you make these videos and you put them out on the platform and it's a very like singular, very, you're by yourself when this happens. And then I was just at uh, Sammy's camera in LA a couple days ago and ran into all these people in person when I was teaching my workshops that are like, Oh my gosh, I know you from YouTube. And it's yes. like, oh shoot, That's there are so real cool. people out there that watch this stuff, you know? Uh-huh. It's weird, but it is so cool to be able to,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, create content and know that there's actually like, you know, even one or two people, let alone possibly hundreds of thousands of people that watch it.
0: So awesome. I know whenever I meet someone who's listening to the podcast, I'm like thank you for listening. You know, you never know if people are actually really enjoying it or really listening. And so, you know, it goes both ways. Like they get a lot out of it. We get a lot out of it. You know, like you said, you love connecting with people. I love connecting with people. So it's, it is, it's a really neat thing. Now, how, okay. I have, I have so many questions around this, but one is like, how did you grow to that substantial of number of people watching you? Cause you had to start at zero. Like how did yeah. you get there?
1: So, you know, it was kind of an interesting thing in the very beginning. Um, I didn't have any ambitions to actually be a YouTuber. You know, I started it right around the same time that I started in my photography journey. And it was really just a place for me to document the photo shoots that I would have and do behind the scenes stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I started creating content for Adorama TV. And so uh, at the time, the platform was that channel was right around like 330 thousand subscribers. And, um, I created content content there from 2015 till, till 2018. And from that period of time, they went from like 330,000 to like over 800,000. And oh, I happened nice. to have a lot of videos that were, you know, I was picking very specific topics that were things that I personally was interested in. And thankfully a lot of audience members of Adorama TV were interested in it, in it as well. Um, so when I left Adorama TV and started to do my own YouTube channel, you know I think by just like the search algorithm, people just kind of found my, yeah. my channel. Um, I had a lot of videos that were shared and, and republished on, uh, you know, F-Stoppers, Petapixel, SLR Lounge. Mm-hmm. So gained subscribers that way. But yeah, it was just one of those things where you just steadily just show up with, yep. you know, content that people might find interesting, and and it just kind of goes from there.
0: I'm always like on my soapbox about this, but it's so much of this goes back to networking. Like you were networking with the people at Adorama, you were networking and, you know, the F stoppers articles and, you know, all of these things, like people aren't just going to knock on your door. You have to quote unquote network, whether it's to find new uh clients or to find partnerships, like how you were doing or to find speaking gigs or whatever. It's so important. And, you know, you have to let people know who you are and what you have to offer.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, the cool thing is that nowadays there's more ways to be able to do that than ever between yeah, YouTube between all the different social media platforms. So now it really mm-hmm. just becomes, you know, I think what's happening to a lot of people today is that they are way too much in their own head and their own feelings mm-hmm. about themselves and the way how things should be that they just yeah. don't do it. And yeah. it's unfortunate because for the people that do it, they will find some level of success doing it, especially if they do it over time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And, and sometimes the thought of making a video is like, ugh. Because, like, we started a, a Portrait Masters TikTok, and right. um, our marketing person for, you know, that's doing our TikTok, she's like, Nikki, can you send me A, B, C, and D? And I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. She's like, can you voice over that? I'm like, oh. You know, even
1: though
0: I do it, I mean, it's as simple as saying to my makeup artist, hey, will you take some behind the scenes videos, 10 second clips during this shoot for me, one for each outfit. And then as I'm sitting there looking through the, you know, through the video clips, I'm like, this is really cool. Like, I like Mm -hmm. watching, you know, I like putting this together and sharing it with people. And then people ask me questions like, oh, you know, what is that backdrop color or are you using specifically natural light or whatever? And I'm like, oh, yes, I yes, I am. Oh, this fan? Oh, it's this. And I actually, in, I'm enjoying it. And I've realized how it's not hard to do a voiceover. And it's like, no. once you actually do it, it's not as daunting as it seems initially.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because it could be as easy or as hard as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are things that you could do to make it easier and there's things you could do to make it much more difficult. I think for me, what... Always kind of carried me and and kind of motivated me to do this to begin with was that I wanted to like when I came into photography this was again 2011 you know YouTube wasn't the way it is today um, you know that's actually how I came across Sue Bryce back in the day was yeah watching places like Creative Live and yep. a lot of the people that I learned from at the time I learned through places like Creative Live and so. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a different platform back Same. then. And I think that yep. for me, I wanted to be like the content creator for myself. Like I wanted to yeah. make the content that when I started, I would have found valuable and I would have found useful. And, yeah. um, and you know, if anybody vibes with that, then they would join.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because like, I mean for me, like I posted a reel and it's just a constant light, which I typically only use on location. I only mm-hmm. use on on location. And I had like 33,000 views on this Instagram reel, this one clip of me using a constant light. And I'm like, dang, so that's what people want, but that's not normally what I do. Right. So it's, I mean, I do it, but it's like mostly I'm shooting in studio with natural light or whatever. And so it's like, so I'm curious how you rectify this. Like the thing's that people really want versus what you usually do and want to show? Like, is there a happy medium there or, you know what I mean?
1: That's a sore spot right there. Cause it's like my (laughs) mind. Like, so I know the topics right out of the gate that if I make these videos, the videos are going to do well. Um, and then there are the videos that I want to make that I think like, I wish they would do well, but for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, people just don't find it to be as interesting as what I do. Or talk about other things, Um, you know. That's that's the Mm -hmm. cool thing with having your own platform. Like, do what you want. You know, like if you want to do that type of content, like make one video for them and make one video for yourself. Yeah, you know, I
0: like it. Yeah, there are many
1: people that gravitate to that stuff and hopefully follow you for that as well.
0: So, as when it comes to to making money, you said it's it's Google Ads and like partnerships with. advertising, like companies that you're advertising, is that, that's how you monetize it the most? And is it like based on view, number of views?
1: Yes. Um, Yes, yes. And yes. So it is, um, you know, the YouTube ad money is probably the least profitable out of the whole thing Ah, because that is all based on views and you basically get paid per thousand views and it could be anywhere from, you know, $5 to maybe $20 for every thousand views So obviously, you know there are content creators that put out videos every couple days or every day, and if you're getting hundreds of thousands of views on those videos, then you're living pretty happy off the ad revenue. Yeah. Um, But you know, we we're in a niche community. There there really isn't. I mean, there's a lot in the grand scheme of things, but to get that kind of viewership takes you know a lot of work. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have sponsors that you know, if let's say you've cultivated a community. Like for me, I, I'm an off-camera flash studio photographer and there's a lot of companies within that space that they want to reach out to my community. And so every single day I get at least four or five emails from brands and companies that, you know, they'll, they'll say, hey, we would love for you to use our stuff in your video and we're, mm, we'll pay you. And right, this and yep. That. And for me, I turn down probably the lion's share of them. Um, yeah. Just because they, I don't like their product, or I don't understand their product, or mm-hmm. it's not something that I think my audience would be interested in. Um, but you know, obviously, good partners do come through, and uh, and they happen to be companies who I like and enjoy their stuff, and so uh, so you get paid from that. And then there's also affiliate revenue as well. So everything that I talk about in my videos, um, and I noticed this early on when I started making YouTube videos. That people would say, "Hey, what was that one thing that you had in the background that you used?" And it wasn't yeah. even part of the shoot. But or somebody will see my T-shirt. You know, I used to wear very <laughs> silly. I still do wear like very silly T-shirts, and people would say, "Like, hey, where'd you get your shirt?" And I'm like, "Oh, I got it on Amazon," and I would just put the link. And so you know, it just saves people a lot of time if they see something in the video that they like. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cool thing is, it doesn't cost them anything extra. And it maybe makes you a couple dollars for every sale, if that. Um, but you figure when you have a platform where you have hundreds of thousands of people
0: mm-hmm. and everybody
1: is clicking on your links, you know, those couple dollars each time kind of add up to a lot more.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so great. That's so great, mm-hmm. very cool.
1: And then you have content creators too that make presets and all that as well. That
0: mm, or like sure yeah,
1: courses, you know, and so there's there's a lot of ways to monetize it for me. I haven't gone you know, that deep into it because I just haven't felt the need to do it yet. But yeah,
0: yeah. it's nice to have that option though.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's better than working again, better than working in corporate America. You want to make more money? How about you just give up another 20 hours a week?
0: (laughs) Right.
1: You you are not kidding. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Well, yeah, I encourage people to check out, you know, if they're interested in doing this sort of thing to check out your YouTube channel, because it's really cool.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I would highly recommend to anybody that's out there that, you know, as a creative, like get started on YouTube. It, it's even if you think that you don't have anything to contribute, like you're the world and the community, they need to hear your voice and your outlook on things. And yeah. it's the best platform to be able to do that.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. Well, this has been really, really great. Thank you.
1: And fun. I love this. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Good I do time. have a couple more questions, though. That I always ask Please at the shoot. end of each episode. And the first one is, what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Not including your camera.
1: Hmm. You could
0: say lens, though. Specific lens.
1: I would say my laptop. Specifically because the majority of the time when I'm doing my photo shoots, I'm actually shooting tethered.
0: Uh-huh, um, I see. So
1: the ability for me to be able to see my photos you know, within my raw editor in real yeah. time while I'm shooting... It's like my, my guiding compass during a photo shoot. Um, so that's probably, yeah, it has to be that. It has to be my, my laptop. Got a lot of other yeah. things, but that's, that's definitely the most important one.
0: Yep, I get it. That makes sense. All right, number two is how do you spend your time when you're not working?
1: Oh, wow. Um, family. Mm. You know, I've got a five-year-old and I've got a four-month-old.
0: And oh, so just wow. being at
1: home and spending time with family and friends, um, that consumes the majority of the time when I'm not doing this. I wish it consumed a little bit more. Because uh, <laughs> over the last year, it's been crazy. It's been very, very busy, especially with everything just kind of getting back to normal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just there's there's a lot going on. Uh, but as much as possible, just spending time, just, you know, raising my kids and, and trying to guide them through this crazy world.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right, number three is, what is a, specifically a photography product that you recommend to everyone out there?
1: You know, this might sound cheap and cheesy, especially after we've talked about the stuff we've talked about. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that uh, truly that Sony makes some of the best camera equipment out there. Um, to me, any of the modern Sony cameras would be yeah. uh, base level, like, you, you should have this because it's going to change the way that you shoot. It's going to change the way you see things, um, and it honestly just lets you be more creative. So mm. that would be it I for had me. A
0: feeling you were going to say something yeah. like that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, and it, you know, it's not. <laughs> but because I know you
0: mean it. Like it's genuine. Yeah. yeah it's
1: absolutely. Great. I mean, to be honest with you, like my, I have been in situations with my cameras, with my Sony cameras specifically that I would never in a hundred years believe I would be in like being with people in a room and photographing them, um, you know, and just all the opportunities that have come up because of, you know, the, the, the way I shoot and the way I shoot comes from the gear that I shoot with. And so it's, it's crazy. It's awesome. And I wish that for other people as well.
0: Yeah. Very cool. All right. Uh, number four is what would you tell people who are just starting out?
1: for people that are just starting out, I I would say the same thing that, you know, someone told me when I started out, which is why, why not you, you know, um, you see all these other photographers that, you know, especially if you're listeners to this podcast, you'll hear from other successful people. And, you know, you might be thinking, well, why can't that be me? And it can be you. It very much can be you. You know, I tell people that if I can, have had all these experiences and opportunities because of photography, I think anybody can. And so that's, that's my, my biggest message. It can change your life. It can uh, put you in, you know, rooms and places with people that you would never have imagined being with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it could all lead to positive things. You just need to believe that it's for you.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Great advice. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Where can people find you online?
1: Uh, you can find me at miguelquiles.com, which is my website. Um, if you go on YouTube and you search my name, you'll find me on my own YouTube channel. I also create uh, weekly content for Sony's official YouTube channel, which is Alpha Universe. Uh, so you can check me out there. Probably a little more so than you could on my own channel because I make a lot of videos for them. But uh, those two outlets are uh, where, where I'm at.
0: Fantastic. It's so funny because we met, at, I think, at Creative Live way back when, right? Yeah. Like that I, was I got like a picture 2000... Yeah, that was two thousand like eleven, I think. Was it that long ago? Two thousand twelve. It was, it was, was
1: it? when yeah, it was when uh it was like Sue and Emily Soto and Laura J. Oh Jade.
0: yeah, Isn't that it? was like two thousand thirteen, maybe or fourteen even. Yeah,
1: it was some I wanna say it was twenty thirteen. Yeah. That was my yeah. first time ever going to WPPI, by the way.
0: Oh, and nice, nice.
1: Yeah, it was it was crazy. I remember. I think we saw, I, yeah. I have the photo on Facebook somewhere.
0: Oh, sweet. You'll have to send it to me. That's awesome. Yeah, I got to pull that go. up.
1: I feel like that was yesterday, but.
0: I know, cool. isn't it? Oh, just think about how much has happened Here. and how much has changed for both of us since then. I know, I know. Oh, so wild, you, yeah.
1: We were yeah. such young, awesome. young, naive kids. I know,
0: young naive. I know, I was just going <laughs> to say that. Oh, that's funny. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing this with me. This has been great. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. I've I've been a fan of the show and been a fan of everything you've been doing since then. So, you know, keep up the great work and working hard at the platform. It's very helpful for a lot of people, including myself. So
0: yeah, appreciate Thank you. Oh, I appreciate you. Very cool. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? Lighting PDFs, I mean truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.